This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 27, A College Degree from Bank on Yourself. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast. With me in the studio today is Katrina Willis. Welcome, Katrina. Oh, hello. And Holly Bach. Hello, everyone. And I'm your host, Mark Willis. Thanks for joining us. So we've been discussing college strategies and uh, how to get yourself in the right position to pay for college with as little out of pocket as possible and some ways to pay for college with strategies and financial products that uh, put you in a better position uh, to to really make the most of it. Uh, So, you know, really one of the best and most commonly used forms of uh, paying for college, like financial vehicles that pay for college is something called the 529 plan. And there was a recent Wall Street Journal article uh, and uh, it said in December 2006 that when qualifying for federal aid, uh, 529 plans really count no differently than any other parent asset or student asset. So whether it's in, you know, the student's name or the parent's name or grandpa, grandma's name, uh, but when the colleges distribute their own aid, they can do whatever they want. So that's, that's sort of the layout of most, most people's uh, initial thought when they think, well, how am I going to save and pay for college? The first thing that comes to most people's minds and how it's mostly advertised is this thing called a 529 plan, right? So uh, essentially, what is that article saying? Well, Holly, any uh, comment on that, on that article? Basically, you know, saying, hey, look, you know, it really doesn't count any different than any other asset, right? Yeah, well, I guess the, the big problem that comes with the 529 plans with the Wall Street Journal articles getting to is the fact that it doesn't necessarily count that differently on the federal level, but where it does count differently is when colleges are distributing their own aid. Mm-hmm. And so it has to do with the fact that, you know, really when it comes to the college planning process and getting financial aid for college, the majority of it is coming from the colleges and the universities themselves. The majority of the aid isn't just coming from the federal or the state government, it's coming from the colleges. However, when you have a 529 plan, it kind of becomes this loose cannon in applying for financial aid with these colleges and and universities. So essentially, they can just say, hey, you know, um, for federal aid, it's going to count this no different than an asset. But on the college level, they're going to look at that 529 plan and they can kind of do whatever they want with it. And so that's what Wall Street Journal was kind of trying to explain and saying, you know, why that's a problem. You know, mm-hmm. why is that a problem in the way that the 529 plans are treated? So, you know, for example, if you're the college financial aid officer at a private university and you see that Susie Smith has $50,000 in a 529 plan, you know, what are they going to do with that money? And, you know, are they going to count that as a resource of the family? Are they just going to ignore it? You know, really, how are they going to treat that money? Well, I mean, chances are they, they know yeah. what it's there for, yeah. right? It's right. a 529 plan. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, they're looking at that and they're going to say, okay, well, you have $50,000. They're going to count it against you in some way. It's just a matter of how. You know, are they going to count it as an asset? Are they going to count it as income? Uh, because, you know, that can make a huge difference in the amount of financial aid you end up getting, which way they count it. So, it's just kind of like this loose cannon in the financial aid process that you don't want there. 
and it's unique to every school. So some schools will count mm-hmm. the 529 as the parents' income. Some will count it as the student's asset. And it really depends on the philosophy and the policies of that individual school. So going into it, you really don't know how it's going to affect your bottom line until you know exactly which school you're looking at and exactly what those policies are. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these private schools can do whatever they want when assessing aid. So we're really not asking everybody to just, you know, push pause on this podcast and go out and liquidate everybody's 529 plans, not necessarily. Uh, All we're saying is really whether it's you or your kids or even grandma, grandpa who've opened these 529 plans, it's important to know which colleges your kids or grandkids are going to apply for and what they intend to use that 529 money for and how they categorize it. Mm Because again, it is that loose cannon, like you say, Holly. Yeah. yeah fabulous. Well, you know, maybe it makes sense that you know they could use the 529 plan. Maybe they should just put it in the name of a different child, so it's not counting against that student. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they should take it all in their senior year. So if it is counted as income, it's not gonna. There's no additional years for it to count against them. Or maybe they could take ev- it evenly throughout all four years. I mean, it's just going to depend. Again, like you were saying, Katrina, it's just so important that you know how the school you're applying to is going to treat it, uh, because ultimately that's what's going to make all the difference and how you you should strategically access the money in it. Well said. Yeah, actually, you know, I kind of think about the 529 in the same vein. And in fact, it is a qualified asset. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 under the same, you know, umbrella as uh, 401ks and traditional IRAs and other accounts. And in many ways, it comes with many of the same puppet strings and restrictions, penalties, penalties, (laughs) prohibited transactions. Basically, that money isn't yours unless you follow the government's rules. Uh, and so, you know, one of the most recent uh, tax reforms that have come through in the, and we'll talk about this in upcoming episodes, is that 529s now have the ability to be put toward primary education, not just college. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you send your kid to private school and that sort of thing, you're able to use those funds, uh, as far as I can tell, uh, for uh, secondary, primary and secondary education. Uh, so maybe it makes sense for you to put those dollars to work before they get to college, spend those $529 down so that, you know, you're not getting it counted against you when you apply for the FAFSA. Okay. Uh, so let's talk some about other ways we might be able to save and pay for college. Where's something else, somewhere else we could put money that works with uh, college planning? Well, just so happens we've been discussing and referring to the bank on yourself strategy as a place to save and pay for a lot of things, cars, vacations, retirement, including college planning, right? So let's talk about how other funding options might work in that regard. How does this fit into the overall picture of college, uh, paying for college? Well, you know, one of the most predictable and reliable ways to save for anything is dividend paying whole life insurance. So if we know for sure that our kiddo is going to be 18 years old, 18 years from now, who'd have thunk, you know, uh, 18 birthdays later, they'll be 18 years old. Well, with a high degree of confidence and certainty, you can have a cash value of a certain dollar amount uh, in 18 years. So you know with a high degree of precision that you're going to have X number of thousand dollars ready to go for college. I mean, you really just can't do that with a 529 plan. What are some other things that Bank on Yourself comes to mind when you think about paying for college using a Bank on Yourself policy, guys? Yeah, well, it also puts you in control of your money. 
you know, so you know, like you were just mentioning with the 529 plans, there's so many different uh, kind of puppet strings uh, that the, you know, qualified plans come with and uh, puppet strings that can be pulled and restrictions and limitations. And um, those just aren't at play uh, with these types of plans. And the fact that you can decide exactly, you know, how much you want to put into the plan, um, at what rate you want to be funding the plan, and ultimately what you want to use that money for. Um, if it's college for your child, great. You know, if it is something else, you know, maybe you even just want to get them a car on their 16th birthday, you could use it for that. Um, or if they decide they don't want to do college and they want to um, maybe do, you know, a type of, uh, you know, internship or trade school, you know, it might be a little bit different, may not qualify like the 529 plan, you know, wouldn't fall within their qualifications. But, you know, with a bank on yourself plan, it doesn't matter. You can use it for whatever you want. Yep. And it lets you put the, the money you pay for college expenses um, into that tuition while it keeps growing as though you hadn't spent it at all. So that's really exciting. With the, the policies, the non-direct recognition loans that you can take from the life insurance companies allow those dividends to continue to grow on an amount of cash value as though you didn't take any out as a loan. So that's a huge advantage because then you can use those dollars later for other things. Well, and it's just incredible when you think about the, the cost of college. You know, yeah. so you think about how much money you're putting into college. I mean, it's one thing when it's a car, which even yeah. that's kind of astronomical right. over a person's lifetime. But I mean, we're talking about, you know, anywhere from 100000 to $240,000 yep. for four years of college. And so if there's a way that you can defeat opportunity cost with that large of an amount of money, I mean, the difference is, is huge. I mean, if you're talking $200,000 growing at 6, 6% over 30 years, that's $1.1 million that you would have missed out Say on. Say that number again. Yeah. So $1.1 <laughs> million. Per kid, right? Yeah. Per child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that, Holy smokes. You know, $200,000 would have grown to if you hadn't spent it on college, but you left it, you know, quote unquote, invested instead. But that's mm -hmm. exactly what you're just describing, Katrina. The fact that you can do both. You can have your cake and eat it too. You know, mm -hmm. you can have Why your have money. Why have cake if you can't eat it? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like you can have your money inside the policy growing and still use it for college and still have your $1.1 million for retirement. Wow. Now let's, let's stop for a minute because that assumes that the child pays back the student loan to mom and dad, right? Mm -hmm. So why would anybody consider that a good idea? Why in the world would mom or dad slash kiddo want to pay back the student loan to the bank of mom and dad. Who does that ultimately benefit? Let's talk that out for a minute. Well, it's going to help mom and dad, right? You know, mm -hmm. so if they would have that $1.1 million at retirement, um, if they didn't pay it back, you know, they'd be looking at having a little bit less than that. But so the, you know, so the kid doesn't pay back a million, 1.1 million, right? No, he, he they borrows, just pay back their loan. Exactly. So yeah. whatever the cost of college was, let's say it ended up being 180 grand or something. Let's talk about how he, he or she gets that money back to mom and dad. What kind of flexibility does he have as he's paying that back to mom and dad? As much flexibility as he wants. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, like he can, if they, or, you know, he, she, if they graduate from college, I mean, they could wait for, you know, so typically, you know, uh, interest payments or payments on student loans start about six months after graduation. Whether you have a full-time job Whether you have a job or not. Or not. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, and so with that, though, I mean, they could take six months. They could start right away. They could take a year. They could take three years if that's how long it takes for them to find a job that's going to allow them to pay it back on their own schedule. Um, but yeah, ultimately, they're going to be in charge of how much they pay, how quickly they pay it, when they pay it, yeah. I mean, you name it. That's so cool. And there's so much flexibility here that, you know, I've seen parents decide to do like a parent matching program so that when the kiddo is ready to start repaying the loan, let's say they decide, all right, kiddo, we're going to let you 
go student loan repayment free until you have a job that's paying you X thousands of dollars a year, or if you finally decide to leave our basement and get a real job or whatever their <laughs> reason is. But then mom and dad can say, all right, to help you repay this loan, we'll give you dollar for dollar matching to get your loan paid off to us faster. I mm-hmm. mean, that, that's totally up to the parents, but that's the kind of power and flexibility. It helps the kid, of course, earn the value, uh, learn the value of a dollar and the value of an education, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, it helps the kid like you. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Holly. Well, no, I was just going to say, you know, kind of back to your point, you know, ultimately, who is it benefiting? You know, it is benefiting the parents, but ultimately it's also just benefiting Right, you know, the the kid themselves that that's paying the loan back because it's still a life insurance contract, which mm. comes with a death benefit. And chances are, you know, that child or you know that the family, the siblings, you are all going to be the beneficiaries of that policy. Wow! So the more that they pay back on the loan, and if they do pay their loan back, really they're just kind of investing in what kind of you know legacy their parents might be leaving them. Their at, own inheritance. At the end of it all. Yeah. Wow! So. Yeah. Rather than leaving an inheritance to Sally Mae and her cronies, yeah. they're leaving an inheritance to themselves. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. So and, cool. you know, the parents that are afraid of their kids never paying them back, you could do an interesting estate plan where it says, if you don't pay this loan back, you only get X percentage of the inheritance. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. lots of creative ways to put these plans together for the loan repayment schedules that don't have the Sally Mae jerks calling you at dinner time. Mm. Um, collecting their their loan money. So good. And to Katrina, back to your point, original point, you said that uh, you know, it lets the money uh, go to college expenses, but we're not going broke for our own retirement process in in the process, right? That's, That's so right. good. Uh, so one other thing that we thought of as we were looking over the features of how this bank on yourself strategy could fit into the college paying process is that this cash inside the life insurance, the cash value, the stuff you can use while you're still alive on this side of heaven, this cash value does not count against you when you apply for federal student aid uh, and oftentimes on most private student uh, loan applications and even private schools don't ask about it most of the time, right? Almost almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Is that right, Holly? Oh, yeah. I mean, not at all. And I mean, even you know, to think about it as this cash value is a type of savings, right? It's this money you've been able to grow and accumulate over time that you have ready at your disposal to pay for college that is just completely off the radar of the people, you know, the FAFSA form, the profile forms, you know, the the forms that people are looking over to determine how much financial aid you get. So in a way, I mean, outside of your income, if you're using this strategy, you can look almost broke on paper Mm -hmm. and get, you know, financial aid, get a nice financial aid package, even though you might have, you know, $200,000, kind of socked away somewhere to pay for college. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty sweet deal. Right. And it's just also it's important that you kind of know where that money's living and how it's going to be treated. Because if you even just have ten thousand dollars sitting in a savings account somewhere, that could cost you anywhere from five hundred to twenty five hundred dollars a year in financial aid. Mm, wow. So if you can just kind of take that ten thousand dollars off the table where they can't see it in a way, then that's an extra five hundred to twenty five hundred dollars that's gonna be back in your pocket as a result. Each year. Yeah, and that's yeah. just ten thousand. You wow. know, so if you have fifty thousand, a hundred thousand just sitting somewhere where they're gonna see it and like you're gonna find it. Plan. Like a five twenty nine yeah. plan or just your normal checking your savings account. Like it's gonna count against you, it's gonna hurt you ultimately. Talk to us about uh, the next point there, Holly, you jotted this one down. 
Yeah, actually, I guess I kind of already hit on it a little bit, but just the fact that, you know, it is going to let you use your money for um, not only educational purposes, but also any non-educational purposes as well. Um, you know, 529 plans come with some restrictions as to, you know, it can only be used for tuition or it can only be used for room and board. But, you know, what if your kid needs to get, a, you know, a laptop to help them cover uh, or to help them, you know, go through college? What if they need certain materials or maybe they don't get a, a traditional meal plan, but then they still need some way to be be able to feed themselves, you know, then those are all different things that um, you can use the policy for that maybe other sources wouldn't be as accommodating to. And then also even just things beyond college. Yeah. You know, once they've gotten through college, maybe they didn't use all the cash value. You know, maybe there was some left over. Well, and they can use that for a down payment on a home. They could use it for a wedding. They could use it for, um, you know, buying themselves a car. Once they're out of college, they have their first, you know, full-time job. They need a reliable car to get them there every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just so many things. The applications are limitless. Uh, whereas, you know, with some of the more traditional ways, you are limited in what you can do with it. And another way the double duty kicks in is mom and dad's retirement. The, the money comes straight back into the policy and mom and dad gave kiddo a wonderful education alongside of not going broke so that their kids have a bigger gift, which is not having to shell out long-term care costs to take care of mom and dad as they age. So, you know, what other strategy offers that? I mean, the 529 plan isn't going to solve your retirement woes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is stuff that I feel like people should know, but just it isn't taught. We certainly aren't given this information uh, in high school or college ourselves or you know, certainly the mainstream type of financial news that I hear doesn't really bring these sort of things up. But it's so important that we at least know that this is an option out there. Uh, put it alongside your 529 if you really need to keep that open or other forms of saving for college, right? Mm-hmm. And this is all, you know, tax advantaged. You know, th- this is without tax consequences um, on a lot of this money as well. Mm, yeah. Great point. Uh, so we've got we've got so much to share, but I think our, our time is getting close to being up. Are there any other comments or thoughts that you guys would like to bring up in terms of how Bank on Yourself could really help in the college planning process? Wanted to bring up one quick strategy that we, uh, I think, have briefly touched on in the past, but it bears repeating, I think, today. You can typically get federal student loans that are subsidized, right, that are typically paid for, interest is paid for by the government, while you're going through college. And that's sort of like we've said, sort of an interest-free loan against uh, you know, the government basically giving you money for that, for that education. If you're able to pack money into one of these policies and then simply have enough ready to pay off those loans, essentially the government gave you a ride to, the, to that college uh, on their dime, and then you use the policy simply to pay off those loans by the time their graduate, your kid is graduating college, yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean it's, you know, kind of like those examples where you'll walk into a, um, you know, an appliance store or a tech store, you know, and, and they're saying everything. It's like four years, same as cash, you right. know, like the 0% for 48 months or, um, you know, whatever it may be. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of the, the same concept of that. Like if someone's offering you free money for a period of time, you know, take it up or take them up on that offer until it's not free anymore. Right. <laughs> then mm-hmm. when it's not free anymore, just pay it off and, you know, you still, you know, kind of netted positive on it. So I have one more uh, element to share and then we'll wrap it up here. We've got uh, the most important thing, and I think I'll share a quick story too. Had a client who's um, actually his parent had passed away and he received an inheritance when that parent passed away. He used that money to start a brand new bank on yourself policy. And then he essentially borrowed out all of the money that he could the next week to wipe out all of his student loans. 
and that just totally changed his life, the wife, uh, his wife's life. Uh, they were able to actually bring her home from work so she could take care of two kiddos, and it absolutely changed their life and their livelihood. Uh, and in fact, he invited me over to a student loan burning party uh, the next time I get to see him. So I can't wait to do that. But that sounds the mildly cultish. Yeah, <laughs> we'll let it go. Yeah, we're gonna have marshmallows over that fire. It's gonna be fun. Uh, we'll be singing a song to Sally May, I guess. In our oh <laughs> no 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 no. So we so that actually is is an important point that even if you pass away, this college savings plan will complete itself. Uh, so if I stop breathing. Uh, my 529 is going to, to my daughter, would stop being funded, right? Uh, and I'd only be able to leave her whatever I could save while I was still alive. But this life insurance strategy allows us to make sure 100% guaranteed that she will have enough money to pay for her college, whether I'm around to see her graduate or not. Mm-hmm. That's not something to be overlooked, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whether that gives us uh, any kind of financial peace or not, I think it does for me. Uh, so thank you all for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.